Welcome to The Things We Say. I'm Sheldon. And I'm Nate. This is a topical podcast where the topics are chosen at random. Sometimes they will be profound, and sometimes they will be stupid. But no matter what, we have a lot to say about them. We are known for the things we do. We become the things we think. We live the things we believe. These are the things we say. Hey guys, we just wanted to let you know that uh, this week's podcast is going to be a two-parter. We realized after we recorded it, it went a little long. So uh, enjoy this first section and then stay tuned for the uh, follow-up part two. All right, everybody. Welcome back to The Things We Say. This is Nate. And I'm Sheldon. And uh, we are here in the basement getting getting ready to do an episode for you here. Man, I'm just so terrible at these. I need to think more. Anyway, it's my turn to do things I don't understand, and I guess the first thing I would say it's is it's not that, your turn, but I yeah. really struggled. Yeah, but it's up okay. We sat here for 15 minutes talking about it. It wasn't really that long, but we're exaggerating because that's what we do. Um, so I'm going to do a things I don't understand, and um, things I don't understand are movies that are quote based on a true story or quote based on actual events. Because almost every single one of them is complete garbage to the actual events. And case in point, a movie that I absolutely loved and I almost can't watch anymore is Remember the Titans. That movie is a dumpster fire of inaccuracies and just we just faked it for the movie. And actually even the guy who wrote the book faked a lot of stuff. Um, But if in actual interviews with the guys, they're like, well, that whole big speech that he does at Gettysburg you know, on the battleground, that never happened. Uh, well, the if team, they didn't go to Gettysburg, then the yeah, movie is it a ruins wash. everything, right? Well, they went to Gettysburg College. That's where they had the training camp. But that scene where they actually went on the morning jog, like that, never happened. Uh, I was gonna say, I I went to Gettysburg and I was amazed at how big I it love was. that place. It's my favorite place. And in I'm the world. like, it's beautiful. Oh, this is huge. Yeah, not no no mean by no means am I trying to disparage your your what. I guess you would consider in some ways your home state. But if I had to live in Pennsylvania, the only place I could live would be Gettysburg or near it. I find everything else in Pennsylvania kind of um, icky. Icky? Yeah, but that's just been the All parts that I've seen. All things come from Pennsylvania. You do realize that. I don't... The best ketchup in the world. <laughs> Milk chocolate was basically invented, invented there. there. No, Football no. was invented there. Freedom. The United States of America. Yes, but you, but you were you were speaking of you were speaking of things that were from Pennsylvania, not things that necessarily are what Pennsylvania is now. They started right there, and I I'm I'm with Liberty. you on that. But still, um, what were we talking about? Oh yeah, things I don't understand, and specifically, uh, remember the Titans. There's just so many inaccuracies. The whole school, the whole busing thing, never happened. They weren't the only integrated school in their community. There were a bunch of other integrated schools because this was the 70s. By the time it said it wasn't like prime early 60s civil rights movement. Um, there wasn't a ton of racial tension between the players of the football team. They weren't overly close like they depict. Like it's the whole the whole movie is garbage. The whole thing is just and and when I saw the writer of the movie based on but a here's, real story. And and, and it's not always sometimes I mean I was there's always artistic license taken. There has to be to make it a movie. But the thing that drives me nuts is the the author of the the screenwriter for that film basically was in an interview saying, oh, all these guys said they didn't have all these racial problems, whatever. He's like, well, I just wrote according to what was really going on in the United States at the time, what was really going on, like the tensions that were going on. I'm like, but if they weren't going on there, 
you're lying to push a narrative. Like, don't push a narrative. Tell me the story. Like, I want to know what happened there. Yeah. And, and that's, that's why I get frustrated. When you try to hijack something to tell a story that didn't actually exist. Like, if it's based on actual events, give me the actual events. Tell me what's true. And I think if it's based on actual events, then you could just call it what it is. Yeah. And say, this is, you know. Yeah. Rather than based on. Right. Why, why do you feel the need to say that this was based on a real story. Yeah, just write one. Just write a fake one. Either either give it fake or give me something real. Don't don't what's that classic line? Don't pee on my leg and tell me it's raining. Basically yes. that. Don't do that to me. I hate that. <laughs> so yeah, I don't understand based on a true story slash based so on any actual JFK events. Okay, conspiracy theory movie could just oh, be like based don't get on me, actual events. Don't get, yeah, don't get me started <laughs> on the JFK film. Oliver Stone didn't know what he was talking about. But they can just say it's based on actual events. But the thing that's horrifying to me, and this is the historian in me that freaks out, is that that becomes people's history. They think that's yeah. what happened. They watch a historical piece and they think that what the director is telling them is the truth. And so you've got a, a whole generation that grew up, all they talk about is back and to the left, back and to the left with the Kennedy assassination. And they think that there were all these multiple shooters where if you actually go and look at the grounds of the shooting, you know that there is no possible shot at Kennedy from that grassy knoll. It wouldn't matter. The ballistics and the way he responds to being shot don't match up at all with the idea of a person shooting him from the front like there's all these things that just don't work but again I disagree with you, oliver stone but yes. said but you're wrong okay. i know you disagree with me but you disagree <laughs> with me based on things that are from that are based out of that whole oliver stone narrative that were that were pulled from all these conspiracy theories I'm, i promise you we could trace almost everything that you think about the kennedy assassination i could trace almost every bit of it back to that freaking movie and it's mostly incorrect bunny trail yes anyway so we're done with that yes Things I don't understand. Historical. There we go. Historical well pieces. done, Nate. I was All really right. struggling there. <laughs> and I could have ranted on that one for a long time. So today one of, we were talking about a number of things to do this podcast on and, and a couple of the topics we didn't feel prepared enough. And yeah. then we're like, what can we just turn the mic on and go with it and yes. <laughs> see where it ends up? Um, and we were like, both of us hold certain political beliefs that are, while they're in line pretty well with each other, are not necessarily always in line with what you would consider the Christian church at large. Or, or at least the American uh, the evangelical American movement. American evangelical yeah. church, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah let's, let's limit it to that, because the American evangelical church uh, has, has, certain, uh, has been ascribed to certain political persuasions. Right. Uh, for instance, they, would, uh, they made much ado about being against gay marriage. We right. know that. Right. Uh, they, they tend to be more politically conservative. They would tend to um, be more... Overall, they, be, they would support the military. They would... Um, what am I missing here? Basically be Republicans. Right, right, essentially. Um, and, and so that's led to a lot of people uh, within our churches... If you are a Democrat, if you're a Libertarian, if you are Green Party, if you are no party, feeling a little bit like... A little ostracized. Am I a square peg yeah. in a round hole? Do yeah. I fit here? And and I don't, I don't like that. No. Because the body of Christ has all shapes, sizes, yeah. opinions. It's not a monolith. Like, we've, yeah. got, we've got variances, and we should. And, and I truly believe you can be a Christian yes. and be a Democrat yes. and be a Green Party and be no party, not vote at all. Yes. You know, any of this stuff, it's not a salvation issue. No. Um, and, and so we, I just wanted, we wanted to do this podcast in some ways to kind of make you feel more comfortable if you have strange political beliefs or <laughs> if you have 
you will know well, that you well, are you not alone. Like, if you feel like your politics are somehow precluding you yeah. from participating in your local body of Christ, yeah. um, and obviously, right like, well, And obviously it, it varies a lot from demographic to demographic. You know, a church in... in you know, the eastern states, you know, New England is going yeah. to be very different than a than a, a, a Baptist church in the south. You know, you're going to have very different political leanings. Or even if and, you go to like a white Baptist church or a black Baptist yeah, church, yeah, you're going to have, gonna have different very political different leanings. Yeah. So, so again, the church is not a monolith, both in its individuals and also in its individual congregations. Like they're, we're just very different. We have different views. We have different perspectives. Uh, but yeah, we're still who we are. We still agree on Jesus, and that's that's the thing that unifies us. And we're commanded to love one another. And, uh, and I was one of the things that really helped me was reading C.S. Lewis's take on um, Christianity as as a whole being a large house. Yeah, with many different rooms. Yeah, and his his thing with denominations is, and and I thought denominations were bad when I was younger, mm-hmm. and I'm like. We need to all just be one family of God, right? And we believe in these basic things, and we need to all get along. And denominations are so terrible. Yeah. But the way C.S. Lewis describes it is separate rooms, and in different rooms, there's a different mood of what's going on. Yeah. I mean, the Pentecostal rooms probably quite a bit of a party. Yeah. You know, some <laughs> other uh, some other frames of. Uh, some other denominations would be more stoic and intellectual. Yeah. Some some would be, you know, there would be a huge love feast, and a lot of us would love to be a part of that. Yes. You know, but whatever characterizes your room, you need to find a room in which which reflects your personal uh, walk with the Lord right. and, and, or a walk with the Lord that you aspire to. Yeah. Um, and, and some, a, a room that will allow you to grow, that will allow you to flourish, right. um, basically be a life giving thing for you. So right. I, my thing is not so much anti-denominations, but saying denominations are good because I want people to find a room in which they're comfortable. And right. Lewis would say there's rules that govern the whole house. Right. You are to love one another. Right. You are to love your enemies. You are, you know, we all believe in Jesus yeah. as the there way are, to the there Father. There are basic principles. Yeah, and these yeah. govern the whole house, but don't hang out in the hallway right? and just say, and, you know, it's I interesting. can't find Speaking a of church the, home. You know, the issue of denominationalism, I remember her, hearing somebody say, well, the denominations are the curse of the church. And I'm like, no, because we'd all still be in corrupt Catholicism. If, if not for the Reformation, if yeah. not for the... Like, denominations have kept a purity to the faith that would not have existed otherwise. And again, and I'm not being critical of Catholicism now. Is not is, is, yeah. is not nearly yeah. as corrupt as it... No, I'm or, talking about its, yeah. former, its former state of corruption. <laughs> I'm not speaking ill of, of Catholicism and now. Me and Nate discussed some of this just on another conversation before yeah. this podcast, but mm-hmm. uh, my background, my um, actual genealogy is through the Anabaptist movement. So... I was telling him, I'm like, I don't hold anything against Catholicism, even though they killed my ancestors. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's, that, I mean, every every ancestry that you can point to at some point was either enslaved or persecuted or yeah. wiped out by another, you know, another movement of some kind, right. whether that was racial or countries or, or religious. religious or yeah. however it happened. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I would hold no, no... Uh, animosity towards anybody right. today that was Catholic. Right. The whole thing, the whole paradigm has shifted. Right. So, Without a doubt. Yeah. Anyway, so that was, again, another little random <laughs> just rabbit to clarify, trail. Yeah. Uh, just a clarification. Yeah. So, yeah, w- again, in no way are we a monolith. Again, there are probably some things that we disagree on. Sure. Not a lot of them, though. We have a lot of these political discussions, and we tend to 
at least run parallel. Yeah. Uh, there may be a little bit of divergence. But anyway, so yeah, let's just get right and, into and it. And both of us, both of us, I believe, our, our parents and traditions that we came from would have been what we were talking about, uh, more right-wing, evangelical. Yeah. Um, and we vote Republican because that's who we are and that's what we believe. And, and the rise of the religious right in the 80s gave a lot of prominence to this. Yeah. Uh, but it started a while before that. Right. And just really, um, it, the religious right movement kind of capitalized on a lot of things like that. Yeah. And, and then through the 90s, um, you know, Bill Clinton was persona non grata yeah. and all that <laughs> stuff, you know, and, and, uh, Looking back on it, like he did, he did a lot of things that today, by today's standards, would be very, very conservative. Right, without a doubt. And again, the the hero of most leftists being John F. Kennedy, who, you know, sounds yeah. more conservative than Ronald Reagan if you listen to his speeches now. Yeah, um, and people are all like, Kennedy was such a great, you know, progressive yeah. and all this. I'm like, no, you should see the vitriol that he talks about taxes with, yeah. and you guys are nowhere. And close. the Second Amendment, and you know, <laughs> yeah. all these things. Yeah, and, a- and again. even America First stuff. Yes, without Ameri- a doubt. America First. When Trump I, says I'm, it, everybody hates it. This is this is actually something JFK that's kind of interesting. I believe that had had Robert and John Kennedy it, uh, survived. Mm-hmm. And actually served out presidencies. First of all, I think you would have had a dynasty of of Kennedy presidencies. I think it's very likely that you would have had, and it would have been better than the Bush dynasty. Yes, I would agree <laughs> with that. I think you probably would have had John, Robert, and then possibly um, Teddy. Although Teddy was kind of the the black sheep of the family, all always. But I am convinced I would have voted for Robert as many times am, as I could. Yes, <laughs> I actually would have too. I am convinced that if if those two guys had actually been able to pull their uh, you know, pull their political careers across the finish line without being cut short. I believe that the nature of politics would be entirely different today yeah. uh, than they actually are. I think the the divisiveness, I think the um, the vitriolic kind of stuff, that just getting nothing done that we see. I do not think it would have um, it would it would be what it is today. Not at all. So diving right in, one of my yes. least one of the things that might sound not popular to a lot of people that are Republicans is that I'm not wild about the, the Bush family for the reason that Bush senior being a CIA guy, okay, like he was huge into the CIA and you look at George W. Bush's response to nine 11 and it was to empower and grow the CIA, the NSA pass the Patriot act, create the department of Homeland security. Sorry guys. That's on my mic. And, there, there is so much money and corruption wrapped up in the CIA and and these agents, the intelligence agencies. Yeah, without a doubt. And they've been written blank checks for years yeah. and years and years. And that since their existence, that yeah. alliance of the Bush family with what I would call the deep state, which some people. Trump's now co-opted the term, whatever it means now. But what I'm talking about is like the entrenched state operatives that no matter who is president, coming or going administrations, they do not change. Yeah. And you're writing blank checks to organizations that exist basically to take away certain freedoms from American citizens right. through secret courts through spying, through intelligence, through all of this, and a lot of which we didn't, as a people, ever have a chance to vote on or right. ever have a say into. Right. And you look at Edward Snowden's revelations of, hey, they've been doing this for a long time. Yeah. And now he has to live in Russia because he told us right. what they were doing. Right. And I'm like, this is bizarre. So um, one of the... I, I liked 
George W. Bush as a man. I always got the feeling that he was a good man doing a very difficult job. Yeah. But what surrounded him and the alliances that his dad had built for years and years and years, we're talking about going back to JFK. Right, right. His dad was in the CIA yep. during JFK, yep. that whole thing, and and had a lot of money and connections over that time. It, it wasn't an overall good effect. Right. I thought that history during, during George W. Bush, when we were living through it, I'm like, a lot of people are hating on him right now, but I feel like history's going to treat him well. Yeah. And looking back, I'm like, it may treat him better than his father, but I don't feel like the yeah. Bush presidencies were good from a freedom standpoint. Right. His his first term was all right because his first term was entirely defined by 9-11. Like that, yes, that changed that. Yeah, that completely changed the narrative. His second term really was garbage, in my opinion. That's when a lot of the stuff that... I was horrified by started taking place um, in terms of some of the things you're talking about, you know, ramping up, uh, you know, clandestine, uh, uh, you know, warrantless taps, like all this stuff. And he, and he just started doing all kinds of stuff that you're just like, this is why, why is and, this a and, thing now? You know, uh, under Obama, we didn't scale back the NSA. Right. Even though, okay, here's another one. The, most of the religious right would say that they hate the ACLU. Yes. That would be, the number one, you know, the the demon in the bushes, the ACLU yes. is coming to take away Christmas. They're right, making right. war on prayer right. in the schools. Um, you would, and you would assume from this conversation that somehow the ACLU was aligned with Obama and all this stuff. Under Obama, he didn't roll back any of these things. He didn't roll back the CIA. Didn't roll back the NSA. He didn't. He didn't stop the drone attacks in yeah. like Yemen and all these other places where we were, you know, droning entire. Right. Yeah. And so I to me, I'm like, OK, how in bed with the Democrat Party is the ACLU? And actually, the ACLU fought the Obama administration on a number of things. And right. You can go look at some of those court cases. But um, the ACLU has been really good on some civil liberty issues when they're not necessarily going after religious structures. Right. My disagreement with the ACLU is their hard line on trying to take any sort of religious expression out right. of the public sphere. When I'm like, right. if you're a public individual and you hold religious beliefs, um, I want you to be honest about that. Yeah, and I don't want absolutely. you to have to fear people coming after you because you might hold a religious belief. Right. Um, but they have been very, very good at teaching people their rights in a situation in interaction with officers or right. in, in times where the state right. has overstepped mm -hmm. their congressional or their constitutional restraints. Right. The ACLU has been one of those organizations that's been very active and, right. and sometimes fighting alongside what I would call conservative ideals. So the ACLU is at I least an organization. I don't personally hate the ACLU. Right. The ACLU is at least an organization where occasionally you're going to go, oh, they're standing up for that? Okay. Yeah. Like you'll at least have those moments. And and again, there are other letter organizations that I cannot say that about uh, <laughs> that I could I could take some swipes at, but I won't because that's yeah. not what this is right now. But um, but yeah, I, I would I would kind of agree with you on that. I've I've been pleasantly surprised at some of the things they have defended and horrified at some of the things they refuse to touch. Uh, yeah. Basically, is how I feel about them. I, they're they're a coin flip to me uh, entirely. Yeah, as an organization, I'm not signing up or donating to them or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, I, I just I'm I'm more indifferent and yeah, and then then just like hating them. Like, um, 
I've heard people express. So, so one thing that I am, uh, I am very pro, which the majority, and even in my own house, my wife very much disagrees with me on this, although <laughs> I feel like she's starting to come around in some ways. I believe in the complete legalization of any and all drugs and the complete removal of um, long prison terms for uh, drug offenders. Uh, nonviolent. Let me rephrase yes, that. Nonviolent, non-violent drug, drug offenders. Offenses. So, so here's my thing. Um, Before you dive in too far, yes, I want to say where I agree with you and where I disagree. Okay. I and then you can go ahead and explain yourself because I'd love to hear your defense. Yes. Um, I agree when it comes to marijuana being removed from like a tier one drug. Yes. Like it should not be tier one. I do feel like there is reason for control on other drugs. I would like to hear your defense. Yes. But I am for total legalization of marijuana, and I would be totally on board with that. My wife disagrees that um, I should not grow it. Yes. I I would never consume it. Yeah. (laughs) But I I asked her one time. Well, the thing is, marijuana has so many (laughs) legitimate uses beyond just trying to get high. So all these plain Mennonite farmers that I grew up around and that I worked on their farms putting away tobacco, I'm like, how is that any different? Yeah. (laughs) Growing and drying out and profiting well, from tobacco. Yeah. And well, and first of all, let me say this. If, if you're one of those guys that are out there and like, oh, I'm going to de- defend pot smoking and it's healthy. And it's, I'm like, no, no. Smoking anything is not healthy. You are putting something into your lungs, into your body that should not be there. So don't tell me that it's beneficial but, for but you to smoke But smoking marijuana pot. is not like smoking It is different because there are tobacco. different, there are different chemical compounds. It is way more harmful. But just because it is less harmful does not mean it is good for you. Oh, I didn't say I was going to do it. No, no, no. And I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that's most people's argument. It's like, oh, it's, health. it's, like, it's healthy. It's natural. I'm like, not everything that's natural. Like, natural so things kill you. But anyway, okay. Yes. So, so I, I agree with you on that. Yes. And also on the prison terms thing. Yes. Um, that's my biggest one. And, 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 I, and think, I think prison terms should be vacated. That were nonviolent offenders, as in, yeah, if you're exactly. there, you need to be yeah. you need to be set free, and your record scrubbed of that. That yeah. should not be a thing retroactively. Um, okay, so and this is the thing that Kayla always is asking me, like, how do you do that? Okay, one of the biggest problems we have in American society is already prescription addiction. Oh, we huge. we have become pill poppers in this nation more than. Ohio in particular yeah, it's, has a it's horrible. huge epidemic. But, but one of the biggest problems we're having, and, and I've looked into the opioid crisis and all this stuff, you know, basically what's happening is people are starting out in uh, painkillers, various things that they're getting for legitimate reasons. You know, they have a surgery or they have an injury. But the problem is they get hooked on these things. They realize it's harder, more expensive to get a hold of. So then they start going for things like heroin. They start going for these things that are cheaper, that are, that are made by people who don't know what they're doing. They're made by people who don't care about the people, have any moral ethic at all. They're just trying to make a buck so my, my thing with, with and those are already not controlled they're already not controlled right yes. what you're talking about are street drugs street and drugs. they are completely not controlled right i just want to put that out there right. as we continue the right. conversation so so my thing is this is that a i do not think that you can necessarily tell an adult person what they can and cannot put into their body as long as it is not harming someone else yeah, now, I don't find that in the Constitution anywhere. No, now, I know go. that gets hairy because you get into the whole thing. It's like, okay, well, what is harm? You know, what, what about the fact that most, most things, uh, you know, whether it's domestic situations, domestic violence, those kind of things, child abuse, most of these things happen while under the influence of some drug. 
Like, I get that. I get that that's a complicated issue, but it's not solved by doing this because we still have this epidemic problem. And here's my biggest thing. You and I are never going to be drug users. It's true. Ever. We're just no. not going to be. And just because heroin or, or cocaine or any of it is going to be a, a, a legalized substance, a controlled substance, but legalized, okay? So a regulated substance, I mean, but legalized. I'm not going to start doing it. There is nothing in me that is like, oh, I'm going to go out now that it's legal. That's not what's keeping me from doing it. My, yeah. my, what's keeping me from doing it is my, is, my, is my faith and my family. Those are the things that would ultimately, in the end, keep me from doing anything like that. It's the same thing that keeps me from being, being drunk or doing any of those things. Like I would, well, Yeah, people, people that derive their morality from what is legal and what is not legal need don't a have morality. morality Don't check. have morality, right. Because if your only morality check is what is legal and what is not, yeah. now, we're, now we're talking about you basically worshiping the state. Right, right. If you, if you don't have some sort of morality that's outside of what's legal and what's mm -hmm. not, then you're, you're probably cheating in some sort of business deal or wherever yeah. the gray area is, you're not operating right. with a consistent... Right. If, um, yeah. But, but again, my, my biggest thing with this, though, more than anything else, is the crime that it has created. And I don't just mean in the sense that if you're caught with a dime bag, you're going to go to prison for X amount of years, you know, because of mandatory drug sentencing or whatever. I mean, literally the cartels, like all these things that have been created, the same as prohibition created bootleggers, created guys like Al Capone. Yeah. Like we have created a criminal empire by creating a war upon these substances. And if we were to eliminate the drug laws that we currently have, and if we were to regulate to some degree, how these things are being manufactured and how they're being created and how they're being distributed, control how they're being distributed, yeah. that would be a game changer in terms of ODs, in terms of addiction. I believe even addiction, yes, um, because it's you don't have dealers who are constantly trying to get somebody hooked. It's just like alcohol. Yeah. Like There are some alcohols that are stronger than others. True. And sometimes people will drink a stronger one. Sometimes they'll just have beer, you know, whatever it is. But there's there is some amount of self regulation in that, and you have to go to a specific place where you kind of know the provenance of where that thing has come from. Like there yeah. there are there are rules that they are created by. You know you have to go through some process other than your home brewers. You know it's yeah. it's but and, and I this, mean they they'll stop serving at a certain time. Right, exactly. And and, the, and, know, and I and I genuinely believe if we would treat all of the illegal drugs in the same fashion that we have treated alcohol. I believe we would see a dramatic drop in a lot of the, the negatives that we see associated with drugs. Again, I know that there would be some complications to it, but freedom is complicated. If yeah. we are truly going to be free, we've got to be free to have the option of doing some things that are going to be harmful to us. And, and people, this goes back to our freedom podcast, and my belief is that freedom is one of the solutions to the human condition. Yes. It, and, and we don't, people are like, well, aren't you scared that this is going to happen? Aren't you scared that that's going to happen? Um, yeah, for a little while, there are going to be some things that are a little weird and a little hairy, but we yeah. don't know what our free society will come up with right. in order to regulate this and how it all works out on right. the other side. Um, the one thing that I have been rolling around in my mind is that Americans uh, seem to have a prevailing idea of excess, Yes. There is not anything that Americans know how to do real well in yeah. moderation. I have a theory about that, but I'll get okay. into that when you yeah. get going and, here. And so, and so my idea is that, yes, freedom, 
freedom is the solution. And, and okay, for instance, the only one of the only places that there is shortages, that there is uh, bubbles, every time you see an economic bubble, yeah. there is usually a government regulation behind it that causes it. Yeah, uh, because a free market has a lot of things that will self-correct along the way, and right. and the reason you have a housing bubble is because you had government policies that told yeah. people to go. Yeah, get that, if, that if you really doing loans. If you really want to know doing. how much the government is involved, in that get into the two thousand eight financial crisis, and you will be your mind will be blown as to how much the government. Yeah created that and maybe not intentionally but they but through policies but completely they created they that. don't understand the ripple effects of when they yeah. make a particular change you are now causing people to behave in a market in a way that they wouldn't normally behave in yeah. a market and the market will self-correct look at the housing shortages in san francisco no no single place should be more you know easier to get cheap housing than in california the most liberal state <laughs> where we tax everybody to the hilt so that we can give everything to the poor, supposedly. And San Francisco, where it's been run by, you know, the very people that you that claim to help the lowest class of people all the time. Right. And yet nowhere is housing <laughs> less affordable. And that's because you cannot just go out and start building in San Francisco. Everything is regulated. Yeah. It becomes so expensive just to build yeah. that you can't build. Right. And so if you can't build and you keep having more people and then you're encouraging people to move there by then building some sort of uh, low cost housing and then you're drawing in poor people, not only from your city, but from other places. Other now states, now yeah. they are your poor. Yeah. And now the gap is even wider and there's less affordable housing and it gets worse and worse because you are not allowing the market to behave as it should. If the land were really worth that much and if building a house was really worth that much, everyone would be building as big and as high and as far as they could. Right. And you'd have a lot of homes, but the, but the government is not allowing the market to behave as it would. So there is a solution in the free market to most of these issues yeah. because in my mind, in, in, in a free society, a lot of these things do correct. People will come together in ways that we can't predict as long as the government is making us behave in a way that is not natural. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm saying that if you were to turn around and legalize Start with marijuana yeah. and see how it goes. But every most every state that has legalized marijuana had, does not have the opioid epidemic and heroin right. epidemic right. that is killing people across the right. Midwest right now. Right, and and most of the people who are dying from from ODing from the op opioid crisis, it's not because they're they're upping the scale of what they're doing. It's because they're getting something that they don't know how strong it is, but they're just main lighting it anyway because. The high is the high is calling them, and so they they put something in their body that's twice or four times as powerful as what they're used to having because the drug dealer that gave it to them didn't know it, and the person who made it didn't know what they were doing, and and it ends up killing them. Yeah. Um, so so yeah, and, and again, let me make something very clear here, and I and I will make this with each of my stances, and this is where it gets kind of interesting because I genuinely believe that consumption of any drug that alters your state. Of, of control and of consciousness, I believe it is sinful. 
just like the Bible has told us not to be not to be drunk on yes. wine, I believe the same thing. Any mind-altering substance, use of a mind-altering substance with the intention of anything, yeah, escaping, of that. Escaping yeah, of any kind of escape. I believe um, that is absolutely sin. Period. I do not question that. I again, I said before, family and 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 my faith would would prevent me from any of these things anyway. Because so I we're genuinely not having a religious things. discussion no. necessarily. We're and just this, saying politically, right? And this is where I I get crossways with a lot of people uh, in the evangelical movement because they they can't think in these two separate spheres because I'm because the the church, the home. Uh, the government; these are separate spheres of influence. They they have separate spheres of influence on me. I have separate spheres and, of and influence here, on them. And here's why it doesn't work, and this is why I've come around to a lot more um, freedom-loving ideas as a uh, where it allows people to behave in ways that I would not. Yeah, and that is because your entire country cannot be the church, right? And so shouldn't be it. I mean, we would love for that to happen, and we will evangelize until we die. And right try to get as many people with us into heaven as possible. That, that being the stated goal, you cannot govern the, the, and this has been tried. Yeah. You cannot govern the nation as you would the church. No, it's totally different. It's a different sphere. It's a different sphere. And, and God raises up our leaders. He raises up and calls different leaders for different purposes at different times. But I do believe that he was very in and around the founding of the country that he understood, you know, that he gave them the gift of liberty and yeah. said, here, you know, and, and basically they were stewards of what God had allowed to happen, had, had allowed them to create yeah. something on basically a blank slate. Now they had British common law. They had a lot of right, right. things that went into what they were doing. There was a lot of ideas that drew, right. drove the I would, revolution. I would, con- I would contest that America was the first place to get it right. In that sense, Ish, yeah. But I mean, in 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 context of what was going on at the time, like it was the first place where where true, a true republic, democratic republic, was tried and done well. In that yeah. in that you didn't have leaders who were trying to monopolize it. You had guys like George Washington who were willing to step aside and cede power to the next person. Like n- everything went as right as it could have possibly gone. Yeah. In the context of being the 1700s, like everything went the way it should have gone. I could see that. I, I also don't like worshiping Americans. No, like you know, we're no. we're better than everybody else in, and in again, some regards. But, but, but a lot I of things feel, followed suit after I mean, that. You can look at the successes of America and right. say, I mean, this success is basically unprecedented, and right. be able to hold it as long as they have. Something is right. Right. And and even our, our the poor people in America are not nearly as bad off as they would be in pretty in much other anywhere places. else. Yeah. yeah. So, but anyway, we're kind of rabbit trailing here. In yes, this. but that's okay. This is good. This is good stuff. So basically, our political beliefs are not necessarily what we would what we would basically practice for ourselves, or how we would govern the church, or right, right. You know what we would say is is uh, our morality because and and this is a big thing to get a hold of. Your morality does not derive from what is legal or illegal. No. Think about it. Slavery used to be legal. Put yourself back a couple hundred years. Are you cool with it just because it's legal? Right, right. <laughs> I mean, the, Something being legal or illegal is never a good argument. The question yes. is, the question for a Christian should be, is it moral? And the moral standard is God. The moral standard is yes, biblical teaching. It is not. But now, if you are cultural. a governor, if you are a governor, if you are a president, if you are a lawmaker, um, 
a lot of people want you to govern, you know, from your moral principles. Right. And for me, I would say, okay, now I'm a lawmaker. I did not swear to uphold the Bible here. I swore to uphold the Constitution right. and apply what it says. Right. Because that's what the people have put me here for. And mm -hmm. I'm here to represent the people that I represent. If I'm a senator, that's the entire state. If I'm a congressman, I'm here to represent these counties. So I'm going to vote the way the people in these counties would vote. Yeah. And and that would be a problem if I was elected as a, as a Republican and a majority of my district is Democrat because yeah. I'm going to be listening to them. Yeah. And I'm going to be like, um, well, I might not vote this way, but I know my people would. Yeah. And I'm not here to impose my will. I'm right. here to impose the will of the people right. on the country. Right. So, and again, there are even exceptions to that because there are times when when basic knowledge of what's going on, you know, if everybody is voting for a dictatorship in the state, you're not going to be like, yeah, I'm okay with that because this is what the people want. Yeah. That's why we have a representative republic, you know, because there's people who can have some more information, have some access to some things and be able to curtail uh, some, th again, that's in a perfect world. That's how it's supposed to work. But anyway. But this explains why I'm not in politics. Right, right. Um, okay. <laughs> So again, touched on the whole drug issue. That's that's my my stance. And again, I know that would be an unpopular one in the church because yeah. they would think, you know, no, make it illegal, stamp it out. And again, I get it, but it, it doesn't work. We so, saw that with prohibition; it doesn't work. So, so here's here's my thing. Um, and yes, please study prohibition if you want to yes. know more about freedom loving things, um, and and why it didn't work. Right. And and um, it's just yeah. Anyway, yeah. my whole thing with the drug issue is that you start by basically legalizing marijuana. And by basically, I mean move it down a couple of tiers on yeah. um, the, oh, crap, what is that? Um, I know what drug you're talking about. DEA. Yeah. Yeah. The DEA enforcement list, just move it down a couple of tiers to like, you know, something that's not, right now marijuana is considered as bad as heroin. Right, which According is to federal law. Which is Which ridiculous. is terrible. Because you're not even talking in medical terms or scientific terms right. or any terms about what you're talking about. Everything else is listed that way, but marijuana is that high because of, uh, I think this goes back to LBJ and Nixon era. Yeah. But yes. Yeah. But yeah, that anyway, so that's... They came for marijuana. They got right. it. Right. And, and again, there's, there's all kinds of additional uses that are, that are not being utilized because we've made this a scary thing. Instead yes. of just saying, you can't even study yeah. it. You can't. Get I mean, into I've, it. I've I've known people. I've known people who, you know, have have things like they'll have severe migraines. I've known people, and they and back in the day before they were saved, they were regular pot users, and that was literally the only thing that brought them actual relief from the stress and tension headaches that they had. Like I don't but mean, proper I don't mean horrible. use of like cannabis oil and right like the actual right with and, and again pot is right, two and different again, things but I'm but my, my point in case being they've they have been put on drugs that are way stronger than that that have way more you know horrible side effects and that doesn't even come close to managing the issue yeah and so it's one of those things where so it's like we're, we're, okay we're trading one thing for another for no good reason. Right now we're okay with doctors prescribing opioids. Right. Just so we're clear. Right. And again, it's it and, and again, you know, hospitals and doctors are getting much more they're much more aware, they're being much more careful with those things. But still, yeah, I feel like that would be that would be a big solution to a lot of So I'm going saying on you start with the less and I'm and I'm all the for the less that. hard drugs and, yeah. and you work your way down, see how it goes. Yes. But I would I not agree move with right away to abolishing. I, I completely agree with that. Yes, I don't think it should be an overnight change because it would be a disaster. That's like, and, and I would say that hard drugs should probably remain illegal. 
I, I would say that hard drugs, street drugs, right. should still remain illegal. If you are if you are a drug dealer and you're giving someone heroin, you know that they could die yeah. doing that. Right. And basically, you're an accessory to murder. Right. And again, I'm, though, my my issue being that, I'm still that making those that, but making those things illegal and banning them doesn't change anything. Doesn't solve anything. No one is helped by that. Well, I, you could still bring them up on accessory to murder charges. No, I and I get that. And I think and I and I have a big problem with drug users being prosecuted. I don't have a problem with with yeah. uh, dealers and it's or like, suppliers being like prosecuted. It's prosecuting prostitutes yeah. instead of pimps. Yeah, or, we could get know. into that too. We may get into that too in a minute. But but yeah, I just I don't see every time I've tried to follow a logic that ends with banning and or uh, making something illegal, it, it doesn't work. Like, I can't get it to work yeah. in my mind because I always see more pitfalls than I do positives. Thanks for joining the conversation today. The Things We Say is produced by Nate Ward. Technical direction is provided by Sheldon Stauffer. You can subscribe to The Things We Say on SoundCloud and iTunes. Don't forget to like us on Facebook at The Things We Say Podcast to keep the conversation going. This has been The Things We Say. See you next time.